begin by reading the text that we're going to be in today. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. We've been on a bit of a, uh, an airplane trip, and for really the first eight chapters of Romans, we were flying pretty low to the ground, going in verse by verse, looking at those in a lot of detail, kind of like if you're in an airplane and you're close to the ground, you can look outside the window. Some of you are like, I don't do that. But for those of you who do, or at least you can imagine, you're looking out of the window and you can see the cars with more detail. You can see the houses with more detail. Oh, look, there's a, a baseball field, a soccer field. And then around chapter 9, for chapters 9, 10, 11, we, we took the plane up a little higher and we just looked at those in bigger chunks, still reading through and summarizing each section, reading through verse by verse. And now... We're bringing the plane way low, and we're going to go through two verses today, and some of you think that means we're done in 10 minutes. Some of you know better than that. Let me read the text for you today and pray and ask for God's help for me in preaching and you in listening. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, I appeal to you. Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world or age, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Father, I ask that you would grant us grace as we work through this passage today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help me to be faithful to the text. I pray that you would speak clearly through me. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd work in the hearts and minds of those who are here, Lord. For those who do not know you, I pray that they would see the truth of the gospel and cry out for salvation today. For those who, who know Jesus, Holy Spirit, I, I ask that you'd work in them in such a way that you would renew their minds and transform them from one degree of glory to another and look more like Jesus. Do it for all of us, please, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The first 11 chapters that we've worked through, through the book of Romans, yes, there have been some practical aspects certainly throughout it, but it has been heavy on the theology of our salvation, of God's work in our salvation, our need to respond to the gospel, His work among the nations, His work among the nation of Israel. And now we come to this chapter where it's going to become more practical, but it's an outworking of the first 11 chapters. You can't forget the first 11 chapters. This is going to be an outworking built upon what we have seen over the last year. So you have to remember all that from one year. The Apostle Paul begins here and he says, I appeal to you, Therefore, 
When we see the therefore, we always ask the question, what is it? Therefore. And it's pointing back not just to the verse before or the chapter before, but it's pointing back to the whole book of Romans. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, because of everything that I've just written to you, brothers, and don't make light of that, if you're not in Christ, you're not a brother or sister of Paul, because you're not in the family yet, but today is a great thing for you because you can become part of the family and be adopted into God's family, but you have to be saved for this to make any difference in your life. So he appeals to you, therefore, brothers or brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God. By the mercy, what are the mercies of God? I'm so glad you asked. I hope you have notes today. If you've got the bulletin, hopefully they were in there. I'm going to go through and point out some of the mercies of God from the 11 chapters that we have gone through. So when Paul says that he's making this appeal to us, what's the appeal or the motivation or the fuel for Paul's appeal to us? Well, here we go. Paul uses that therefore to say this. Paul says, I appeal to you because, from chapter 1, I appeal to you because the gospel has power to save you. It has the power to save the Jews. It has the power to save the Gentiles. It has the power to save you from the wrath of God. I appeal to you, Paul says. He would also say, I appeal to you because, chapter 2, even though at one time you trusted in your good works, and some of you are still trusting in your good works to save you, even though at one time you trusted in your good works, God used His kindness to bring you to repentance. So I appeal to you, brother and sister. Paul would continue on to say, I appeal to you. Because of what he said in chapter 3, even though all have sinned against God and no one does good and no one seeks God on their own, God has justified us through faith. He would continue and he would say, listen, brother or sister in the faith, I appeal to you. I appeal to you by the mercies of God, chapter 4, because God's promise of salvation has always rested on faith and it has always been by grace. Which means... It is available for you. So I appeal to you. From chapter 5, part of what Paul could say is, I appeal to you because God showed His love towards you while you were still a sinner that Christ died for you. And through faith, you receive the righteousness of Christ. So I appeal to you. Speaking of, his, of, of God's mercy in chapter 6, he would say, I appeal to you because you used to be a slave to sin. But now you've been set free from sin and you're a slave to Christ, so I appeal to you. In chapter 7, to show you God's mercy, he says, I would appeal to you because even though, Christian, you struggle against your flesh and you still sin, God has given you the Holy Spirit to help you to fight sin and walk in the victory of Christ. So I appeal to you. In chapter 8, he would say to you, look at the mercy of God. I appeal to you because God works all things for your good and His glory. Because God foreknew you, God predestined you, God called you, God justified you, and God glorified you. 
I appeal to you. In chapter 9, I appeal to you because God is always faithful. He has not forgotten His promises. He has not forgotten Israel. And He chose you. Look at His mercy in chapter 10. Paul could say to us, I appeal to you because God worked in such a way that you would hear the Gospel so you could profess faith in Christ. There are some in this world that they perish and they never hear the Gospel. I appeal to you by the mercy of God. In chapter 11, Paul could say, I appeal to you to look at the mercy of God, how God mysteriously works to graft you into His people and He will save a multitude from every tribe, tongue, and nation, including the Jewish people. There's a lot more that we could say from those 11 chapters, but brothers and sisters, let me just encourage you with those. The Apostle Paul is saying, I appeal to you, therefore, for all of those reasons, and millions more, by the mercies of God, all those mercies that we've mentioned, and the millions more, I appeal to you. What are you appealing to us, Paul? We're ready. Tell us, what are you appealing to us? To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Because all those things that we just talked about from 11 chapters and millions more, he says, I appeal to you because of those things. Worship God. Use your life. Notice it says a living sacrifice. I appeal to you because all of these things that you would live your life sacrificially for the glory of God. Not, notice what he didn't say. Notice Romans chapter 12 isn't Romans chapter 1. Right? Like, he didn't start off his letter to the church at Rome and say, I appeal to you. He doesn't have a therefore because he hasn't said anything yet if that were the case. I appeal to you by the works that you need for God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. That's, what, that's how you'd have to read if it was in chapter 1. Live your life this way so that all those things would be true of you. But that's not what he's saying. It's in chapter 12 after he laid the groundwork of those 11 chapters that you would live this way because of all that God has done. By the mercies of God, it's not something that we've done. It's not even something that we deserve. It's mercy and it's grace. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice, this kind of imagery brings us back to the Old Testament of the sacrificial system. The nation of Israel needed to make sacrifices to God. And they, God was very specific of how they were to make those sacrifices. And if you decided to sacrifice differently than what God said, that didn't turn out well for you. Do you know that God is particular with the way that He wants to be worshipped? He is. What's amazing is there's 
a connection that we have individually in worshiping him, but he does lay out the ground rules of how he's to be worshiped. Those sacrifices in the Old Testament had specific ways and things that needed to be done. And those sacrifices, look in our text again, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Not holy and acceptable to you, not acceptable to somebody else, acceptable to God. They're to be holy, set apart, different. So what he's saying here is what's interesting is we don't, we don't sacrifice animals, right? Right? Maybe you do and we need to have other conversations. I don't know. Ours is a living sacrifice because the sacrifice took place on the cross. Amen? Amen. No more need for those sacrifices. Those sacrifices pointed to the sacrifice, which is our Jesus on the cross, satisfying the wrath of God in our place for our sins. And after three days, he was raised defeating sin, Satan, and death for our justification. That's the sacrifice, the death, the resurrection. Now we live in light of that with our lives. Holy and acceptable to God. You see, it's when we as Christians obey God is what sets us apart from the rest of the world. Now, he's done that in Christ. But when we look at our lives and we line up Christians and non-Christians, what's the difference? I'm fearful that there's not much. We're to be different. Our lives, the way we live our lives, should look different than the world. Right? This is... He says, we're still in verse 1 here. God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, they need to be holy and acceptable to God, which means it needs to be, we need to live our lives the way God says live our lives. And this is our spiritual worship. Going up on your notes there a little bit, I have some, some words in bold there, and I try to break down this passage. Kind of one thing leading to another, leading to another, leading to another. And some of you know my artistic abilities, so I better not hear anything about my arrows I drew on here. I worked really hard on those. Let's walk through it logically. Here's what I think is going on in this passage. Because of God's mercy and the 11 chapters before, we want to worship God in all of our lives. Do you want all of your life to be worshipped to God? Do you want that? If you don't want that, you don't know Him yet. Like right now, think deep in your heart. Say, Lord, search me. I don't really care that much if my life, if all aspects of my life are honoring to you. If that's you, you are lost and you are going to hell. You need to trust in Christ. You don't get it yet. So because of God's mercy, because of the cross, because of the resurrection, because of His grace, because He's done all these great things for us, because He's given us the righteousness of Christ, because He's given us His Spirit, I want to worship God with all of my life. But the second part leads to the second part. To worship God rightly, according to this, that means we need to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's how we worship Him rightly, is that our, our bodies are a living sacrifice. Which leads to the next part there. 
a living sacrifice must, or the, a living sacrifice must be a sacrifice that is good and acceptable and perfect to God. A living sacrifice, again, can't be something that you think. It has to be what God says. Which leads to the next thing. Things that are good and acceptable and perfect to God are the things we do, or you could say think here, or the way we live that are in line with His will. So the way that I use my body, present my body as a living sacrifice for my spiritual worship is that the things that I do, the things that I think, the way that I live are in line with His will. That would be worshiping Him when I'm following His will. That worships Him. Which would lead to, if that's true, then I need to be able to know what God's will is. right? If, if it's God's will that I obey Him, that's going to be connected to my spirit. I've got to know what His will is. And we need the Spirit to transform our minds to know His will. How does God, how does the Spirit transform our minds? That's what we're going to look at. In the verse 2 here, Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. He's going to explain this in more detail. He's unpacking a little bit of verse 1 into verse 2 here. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Two options, conformed or transformed, right? That's what he said. Don't, don't go this way. Don't be conformed, but be transformed, which that transformation is not something you can do. It's something that God does by His Spirit and His Word, by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So I looked up, I said, okay, well, well I want to know what does it mean to conform? On the back of your notes, it's an action, and I would put in here it's an action or thoughts, a way of living in accord with the prevailing social standards, attitudes, and practices. A correspondence in form, nature, or character compliance, acquiescence, obedience. What does it mean to conform to the world? I would argue for the Christian it would mean to look less like Jesus and more like the lost world around us. To think like the world around us. And I've got to be honest with you, as I was working through this, I'm like, what does this look like? I'm pretty sure that for a lot of people, if we were to say, do you think you look a lot like the world? I'll ask that to you. You don't have to answer with raising your hand or anything. Just in your heart. Do you think you look more like the world with your attitudes, your words, your actions, or do you look more like Jesus? Some things are easy. You know, you, you, here's where you can go with it. Here's where you can go. You can go, I ain't murdered, any, murdered anybody yet. And some, for some of you, you're like, yeah, yet. <laughs> so I look a lot more like Jesus. I don't, I don't steal. You know what I mean? We kind of go after the big ones, don't we? We go after the big ones that are easy. But why would Paul write this? Maybe, maybe it's only the church at Rome that struggles with this, not, not First Baptist Cedar Key, right? We don't struggle with this. 
and our guests who are with us. I think, as I was contemplating throughout the week on this, I think I might look more like the world than I think I do. What's interesting is, generally speaking, we're blind to it ourselves. We don't see that very well. We can see it pretty easily in others, especially people who are in a different culture than ours. We can see things and we can see their idols and their sins because we're outside of that. And we can say, man, look at that. That's not following Christ. The problem is when you're in the middle of it yourself, it's hard to see it. And if you don't know that it's hard to see that, you're in a bad place. We're all in a rough spot, but you're in a bad place because you might think, I don't do this at all. You're missing it. That's why Paul writes this to us. That based upon everything that he has talked about, he wants us to live these holy lives acceptable to God before our spiritual worship because God is worthy of all of our worship. He's worthy of it. So he says, do not be conformed to this world. But here's the thing, with our flesh, with Satan, and with just the way this world is against God, hostile to God, if you don't do anything, guess what? You're going to go that direction. You have to be active. Now again, be careful. It's ultimately the Spirit's work that has to do this. But there are means of grace that He gives for our minds to be renewed. For your mind to be renewed, you need to have the Word of God. You need to have the Spirit, but you need to have the Word of God and read the Word of God. I need to encourage some of you today. There are some of you that you are spending a very small amount of time in the Word of God. There are some of you here that you are not coming around to be with brothers and sisters who will speak truth into your lives and tell you, I love you, but you're looking like the world in this area. You're staying isolated, and so you think you're okay. God gives the the grace of the church to come and say, I think I see this in your life, brother or sister. You look like the world. Let me help you. Let's pray together. Let's go to his word. Here's some Bible verses. Think about this. Think about how much time we spend listening to the world, involved in the world, and how little time we spend listening to the scriptures, listening to worship, reading our Bibles, being with one another. Think how small that time is versus how great the time is in the world. And it's a battle constantly going. And you're either conforming to the world or being transformed. It would look like this. So for some of you, well, all of you, this is your life. This is you. You're like, I'm a blank piece of paper? You're welcome. This is our lives, let's say for a second. That's our lives. Some of you don't know Jesus yet. All you have is the lines of the world. That's all you have. You're here. You don't know him truly. You just have the lines of the world, black lines in your life. That's all you have. You are conformed to this world because you have no choice but to be conformed to this world because you haven't been made new yet. For others, you've trusted in Christ. 
And you have these lines of the world still, and you have some red dots. The red dots represent the truth of God's Word. See those lines connecting to those red dots? Some of you are squinting. I know they're small. That's the Spirit's work in connecting the truth of His Word together. But notice there's a big line in the center and it's divided this way. Some of you in your Christian walk still have your kind of spiritual compartment that you're a Christian when you're here on Sunday morning and then the rest of life. And yeah, every once in a while something bleeds over, but you have your life sectioned up. Do you know that that's not how it's supposed to be? Our whole lives as worship. This would be some of you where you are in your life. Some of you have you don't have the sections, and you got some more red dots a little further along, and you got a lot of black lines. Because I love you, and I'm going to say it to you, you are listening to a bunch of garbage all the time. You are listening to the world. Can I just tell you, maybe you don't know this, Fox News is not for the kingdom of God. I'm t CNN is not for the kingdom of God. Bear with me. Come on. There's not a nation on this earth that is for the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean I'm not saying, listen carefully, I'm not saying we don't rejoice and on a day like today, celebrate, be patriotic. We're thankful for where the Lord has put us. We're thankful for those who've given their lives. We're thankful for the fact that God has orchestrated in history that he makes nations rise and he makes them fall, does he not? He puts leaders in place, good or bad. He ultimately puts them in place. But make no mistake, I need you to hear this. There's not a nation on this earth that's for God. All the nations rage against our God. There's one kingdom. Be very careful what we're letting in. You have the Spirit, you have truth, the Holy Spirit is connecting some things, but man, it's hard for you to know the will of God because you're letting so much in. Let me encourage you. This is where we want to be. Does the world get in sometimes? Yeah, that's why Romans is written here. Just a few lines here and there. And we listen to the Word of God preached, and we read the Word of God, and we pray with one another, and we cry out to God's Spirit, help us. And we come and we gather. And the world has its little marks, but ultimately the Spirit helps us to grow. Can I be honest with you? There's a parade happening right around this time that we don't get to be a part of today on this island. Because the world has decided that's a good time to do a parade. Right in the middle when all the churches would be meeting. And can I say that I'm proud of you. That you would love Jesus more than a parade. Even though I want to be in the parade. <laughs> I want to have a golf cart and go and do that and be a part of some things. That might be fun. But that's a choice that had to be made right there. It's either Jesus or other things. Part of the renewing of our mind that the Spirit does is He shows us what's truly important. And that takes being in the Word of God so He can use that. It takes being with His people. It takes growing and growing and growing, singing songs, all of these things. But it also takes the Spirit to help us to discern. Look what the text says. 
Look what the text says. Finishing up here. We're not to be conformed to this world, but we're being transformed by the renewal of our minds, which is the work of the Spirit, by the Word and His, and His people and prayer, that by testing, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God. You say, I want to know what the will of God is for my life. You need your mind transformed. You need your mind transformed so as things come, the Spirit will allow you to see a situation and you can then test that situation against the truth of God's Word. And as you see the truth of God's Word, the Spirit will lead you to know what the will of God is in that situation for you. You say, but I want to know. Do I buy the red van or the blue van? I don't know. But my guess is that if you will follow God and your mind is being renewed, there's something about the difference between the red van and the blue van that he will guide you to show you. There's something different about them. I don't know what it is. But he'll guide you in that. Most of the time, though, that's not what it's talking about. Right? When Scripture's talking about the will of God, it's not, should I eat the Snickers or the M&M's? Answer, peanut M&M's. That's not, the, that's not what Scripture's talking about. The will of God for us are things like this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, here. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know what the will of God is? Be thankful for the red van or the blue van. Be thankful that there's any vans. That's more what Scripture is speaking about when it talks about the will of God. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3. For this is the will of God. All right, here we go. Will of God. Should I date this guy or that guy? Answer, you're too young to date. You don't need a date unless you're ready to get married. Is he a Christian? No. Then he's definitely not the will of God for you. But that's not what the text, here's what the text is saying. What's the will of God for my life? For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Which van is going to make you look more like Jesus, red or blue? That's the one you should buy. Answer, you should probably buy the used van instead of the new van so you don't go into debt. Your sanctification. That's what is being talked about here. Let me end with this. Ask God this week, how could I be conforming to the world and I don't even know it? Ask God this week. Go to your brothers and sisters and say, hey, what do you think? Do you see anything in my life? Oh, that's a tough question, right, huh? Do you see anything in my life where I look a lot like the world instead of Jesus? If you don't have any friends that will tell you that, come talk to me. I'll tell you and we'll get you new friends. But I know that your friends here will do that. So if you don't have a church that does that, come and we'll do that with you. How do you do all the life, all of your life to the glory of God? How do you play golf to the glory of God? I went golfing this week. I promise you, the way I played definitely didn't look like it was to the glory of God. But it's not about the execution. It's about the heart. How do you bake cookies to the glory of God? See, some of you don't necessarily need to be in the Bible a whole bunch more. You're in the Bible and you're being faithful and you're listening to sermons and you're listening to podcasts and you're listening to Christian music. 
What you need to do is figure out and ask the Spirit to say, okay, the truth that you're teaching me, help me apply it to while I'm baking cookies. I want to bake cookies to the glory of God. I want to have a a, a celebration at 6 o'clock this evening and play cornhole with my brothers and sisters and celebrate something that's good, but I want to do it where we look different than the world. I want to do it to the glory of God. Ask him this week to do that. For those of you who think that you need to do more, let me just say a few things. For those of you who are sitting here going, oh man, I need to do a whole bunch more. Rejoice that God will transform you to look more like Christ. Let me encourage you, those of you who maybe struggle with legalists being legalistic, remember the first 11 chapters of Romans that he already loves you. He will renew your mind. Rejoice that God supplies his spirit and his word so that you can know what pleases him. Use what God shows you in the renewing of your mind to live your life in ways that please him and grow in testing all things by his word. For those of you who struggle with legalism, he loves you. He will do this work in you. This is exciting. For those of you who are here who you're a person who's lazy and you don't really care that much about your, your walk with the Lord. You don't take that much time with it. Let me speak to you. You also need to think about the first 11 chapters of Romans. That's the foundation for why we want to live holy lives. God loves you and God is worthy of your worship. You need to worship him as he says to worship him. You need to rejoice that he can renew your mind and transform you to look more like Jesus. You need to listen, watch, and conform less to the world. You need more of the word and you need to cry out to the spirit that he would give you a desire to worship Jesus with all of your life. For the person who's here and you're not a Christian yet, you need Jesus. Like all of us need Jesus. You need to put your faith in Christ. He died on the cross as a sacrifice to God for your sin and rose after three days, defeating sin, Satan, and death. Trust in him and receive his righteousness because you don't have any righteousness of your own to give. I think that you're in one of those three categories if you're here this morning. So it should encourage you in some way. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful that we can come together and worship. We're thankful, Lord, that you have saved us. Salvation belongs to the Lord, and we're thankful, Lord, that you would save us. But Lord, for those who are here that have not cried out for salvation yet, I pray that they would cry out now. I pray in their hearts right now that they would cry out to Jesus and put their faith in Jesus. For the rest of us, Lord, for those who are, who are struggling, because what we, we heard was, i got to do a whole lot more, Lord. Help them to rest in what Christ has done. Help them. Give them wisdom from above. Give them discernment on how to live their lives holy and acceptable to you, which includes trusting in your work in their lives. For those who struggle, they don't have very many dots on the screen right now or on the paper. They don't have, they're listening to the world a whole bunch, Lord. I pray that they would repent of that and get... Get that stuff away from them. Holy Spirit, help them to do that. Help them to dive into the Word so they could have more dots for the Spirit to connect. Lord, wherever we find ourselves today, meet us there. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.